one-on-one interview Tom Brady did with ESPN. He looks skeletal. I bet that's why his five-year-old acts like an annoying pissant. She's scared of him. Yikes. The Penguins host San Jose tonight at PPG Paints Arena. The goalie will be Matt Murray. Muzz back in the net. That's good news. Ian Cole will stay in the lineup. My name is Mark Madden. Live in Buford's on 5th Avenue. Come on in and have some gumbo. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Actually, if you drop by, a very special experience is on hand. Liverpool FC is playing Huddersfield Town. Experience the heartbreak in person. Uh, the Penguins have been winning. They're 8-3 and three in the month of January, but they could use a win tonight. The Penguins are at the point you need every point. I guess we could talk about the Super Bowl today, or we could talk about James Harrison. Harrison says the Steelers badmouthed him on the way out the door, his way out the door, because their feelings were hurt, unquote. I'm sure there's an element of that, but who cares? Here's something I heard about Ryan Shazier. First off, I hear he's making very little progress, and, and that's terrible. I also heard that Shazier made a hit a couple games before that Week 13 hit that paralyzed him. And the hit a few weeks before provided a bit of a scare. Maybe it was a normal stinger. Maybe not. You know what the prevailing opinion is about the Shazier hit among football people? Their sympathy, of course, and it is a tragedy. We should talk more about the tragedy and not the inspirational story, which will likely not end good. But the prevailing opinion about the Shazier hit is... Shazier always hit the wrong way. He led with his head. And it wasn't inevitable that what happened would happen. But when it did happen, it was hardly a surprise. You want to make football safer? Make the players hit the right way. And if they don't hit the right way, don't let them play. Ryan Shazier hit the wrong way his whole life. And got all the way to the NFL. How did that happen? Well, it's because nobody really cares about the safety of the game. Uh, here's an interesting stiller note. I read an article about potential salary cap casualties for the Steelers. And there's some pretty obvious ones like Mike Mitchell and J.J. Wilcox. But you know who could be a cap casualty? Ramon Foster. If the Steelers cut Foster before June 1, he's a $1 million cap hit. If he plays, his cap hit is $3.5 million. And the Steelers may be satisfied that B.J. Finney can do just as well at guard as Foster and for a lot cheaper. Uh, no one should be outraged by that notion. Things like that happen all the time in the NFL. But... Ramon Foster is a voice of reason in an immature locker room chock full of morons. And that, for me, is a good reason to not cut Ramon Foster. Uh, getting back to the Penguins, 
Uh, Dave Molinari wrote analysis in the Post-Gazette about the Penguins' hunt for third-line center. Uh, it's good to see Davey writing hockey again. And Molinari points out that every Penguin Stanley Cup winner has had a good third-line center. Uh, that's definitely true. You got Trottier for the first two, Stahl in 2009, and Nick Benino for the last two. The Penguins got kind of lucky with Benino. He was just some jamoke when he came to Pittsburgh in the Brandon Sutter trade. And he started real slow. Benino had just nine points in his first 50 games with Pittsburgh. But I do think they need an upgrade at third-line center, uh, quite obviously. Jason Mackey wrote that the Penguins are interested in bringing Matt Cullen back. But wouldn't Matt Cullen then be the fourth-line center like he was before? Uh, because Cullen is a glue guy, no question. But he's got four goals and seven assists in 48 games with Minnesota, and he's minus nine. Shane has four goals and 11 assists in 42 games with Pittsburgh, and he's minus two. So it comes down to Cullen or Mark Letestu from Edmonton as the third-line center. I would want Letestu to drop Shane to fourth line. And, and yeah, there's the glue factor, but you can't assume you'd be getting back the same Matt Cullen that left. Uh, that might not be a good assumption to make. 412-333-9939. If you'd like to talk hockey, now's the time to do it. Good to have Bob Grove, the Penguin expert at the bottom of the hour here on the X. Uh, like I said, Ian Cole is going to be in the lineup again tonight, and that's good. Uh, as I've said many times in the past month or whatever when Cole's been sitting, I am not outraged when Cole sits. He's not Doug Harvey or even Olimata. And I understand that Sullivan thinks Matt Hunwick is faster and plays faster, but it must be noted that Cole, when given the opportunity, has played uh, better than Hunwick. Just about every time Cole has played better than Hunwick. So I agree that in theory, I can see why Hunwick would be considered a better fit by Sullivan. But in reality, out on the rink where it counts, Cole has played better than Hunwick. So the Penguins are ready to play again tonight at PPG Paints Arena. San Jose's in town. Dukes is excited. So am I. We're having fun. Uh, Matt Murray is back in goal, as mentioned, and that makes perfect sense. He's the number one goalie. Casey DeSmith did great during his time between the pipes, but now it's time to play the number one goalie because he's the number one goalie. Uh, I saw a poll online. Who deserves a number retiring ceremony more, Yarmer Yager or Marc-Andre Fleury? And it was a close race, uh, which is absurd. Uh, you people still holding on to Marc-Andre Fleury. you got to let it go. I don't care what his stats are in Vegas. Every single GM and coach in the NHL would have kept a 23-year-old goalie who makes less, that just won the last two Stanley Cups over Marc-Andre Fleury. This town should be lionizing Matt Murray, but the most popular guy in town is always the number two goalie or the number two quarterback, or in this case, the goalie you don't have anymore. I hear that crap all the time on the B team. Well, maybe they should have kept Fleury. 
Look at the numbers. Hey, Mark's doing great. I'm happy for him. Vegas is a great story, but they play a much more defensive system. Flurry is playing very well, but Vegas' system undoubtedly plays a role in his numbers. Uh, one quick Super Bowl note. It amazes me that nobody talks much about all the cheating the Patriots have done as the Super Bowl approaches and the Patriots prepare to win their sixth Super Bowl, which would tie them with the Steelers. Uh, how can you ignore that cheating with Spygate and Deflategate when their dynasty is evaluated? Uh, it doesn't negate, but it does dilute. And even as everyone ignores the Patriots cheating, uh, these sports media types beat their chest about keeping the steroid guys out of the Baseball Hall of Fame. There aren't degrees of cheating. Cheating is cheating. Uh, staying with the National Football League, uh, the final count on their TV ratings for 2017 are uh, the ratings were down 9.7%, almost 10%. Each telecast was down by an average of 1.6 million viewers. Uh, the NBA made some gains, but obviously is nowhere close to the NFL. But I'm not too worried for the NFL because of the top 100 rated TV shows of 2015, 2017 rather, of those top 100 rated TV shows, 64 of those were NFL games. 37 of the top 50 were NFL games. So, like I said, the NFL does not have a lot to worry about. We got Bob Grove at the bottom of this hour. We got Stan Saverin at the bottom of the next hour. We got the Hockey Night Show at the bottom of the 5 o'clock hour. And we got the Penguins and the San Jose Sharks tonight right here on the X. I'm Mark Madden, live from Buford's Kitchen on fabulous Fifth Avenue, right across from PPG Paints Arena, 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Big Sexy. Hey, Mark. Love the show, man. You can have the iron sheet to humble one person. Who would it be? Sally Wiggins, again. The X at 105.9. As we're all aware, Yarmar Yager retired. Uh, Rather, he went to play in the Czech AAA League with his hometown team, which he happens to own. Uh, The reaction to Yager being done in the National Hockey League has been kind of muted. I think uh, maybe it's because he played for too many teams. I got a column coming out in the trip about that. He played for so many teams, and it's made his resume part superstar and part journeyman. Uh, people don't see Yager as having a jersey. Uh, Yager played 11 years in Pittsburgh, but hasn't played in Pittsburgh for Pittsburgh since 2001. That's a long time. Younger fans in Pittsburgh remember Yarmer Yager as the guy you boo every time he touches the puck. If you want to be a true, true immortal, it's all about one man, one team. Maybe two teams at the most. Uh, at 4 p.m., I'll talk about the Penguins uh, potentially retiring Yager's number someday. I'm not so sure that's a lock for any number of reasons, not least that uh, I'm not sure that's what, uh, what he's going to want. 412-333-9939. Let's get some calls going. Matthew in Monroeville. Matthew, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. You're talking about, um, you know, Latestu 
and maybe Collins, but is there anybody else at the center that would, besides those two guys, a third-line center candidate for the Penguins? Those are the only names I'm hearing right now that uh, there's apparently some discussion. I mean, everybody wants to get Tyler Bozak from Toronto, but Toronto's just not going to trade a guy like him that could help to the Penguins, who they might well play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, I'm not saying it's narrowed down to Latestu and Cullen, and certainly there's some time to go between now and the trade deadline, but uh, those are the only names I'm hearing right now. Let's go to Mike. Mike, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Super Genius. How you doing today? Terrific. Hey, I was wondering, on the third-line center discussion, do you think there's any way the Pens would be able to fit, like, Galanchuk from uh, Montreal no. in their third-line center? I-, I don't think they would be willing to give up what it would take to get Galchenyuk. And uh, isn't he really more of a wing anyway for my bookie? Is That's been Montreal's problem in general. They have a lot of wingers. They're playing at center. And I think it's hurting them, particularly in their defensive zone. Uh, i got to be honest, I don't think Galchenyuk really plays the way uh, a third-line center uh, should should play for the Penguins. Then again, you're asking him to play with Kessel. I just don't think that deal's there. I think the Latestu deal's there. I think the Cullen deal's there. I just don't think a deal for Galchenyuk would be there. Maybe I'm wrong. Thank you for the call. 412-333-9939, the number to call. I want to jump back to something I said uh, at the beginning of the show about the possibility that Ramon Foster could get cut and be a Steelers cap casualty. Uh, it's not what I would do, but you'd be saving two and a half mil just about in cap space, and B.J. Finney has played well. That said, you already got Chris Hubbard leaving via the miracle of free agency. And he's going to get paid, yo. And so if you cut Foster, put Finney in a guard, at the very least it, it mangles your depth on the offensive line, which was one of your main strengths on the offensive side of the ball last year. Uh, whenever a, uh, a guy like Gilbert got harder suspended or Ramon Foster, whoever, it wasn't an absolute disaster because you had Finney and Hubbard to plug in. Plus, which and I can't stress enough, that is a locker room full of immature idiots, and Ramon Foster has been a voice of reason. Maybe not enough. I kind of made fun of Ramon when he complained after the season was over about the lack of focus and looking ahead to New England. A couple other guys did that too, uh, DeCastro and Hayward too, as I recall. But I don't want to take Foster out of that locker room mix. If, it, if he wasn't a, a very good guard, which he is, then his, uh, what he adds to the locker room mix wouldn't matter. But he is a good guard, too. And, and uh, you know, when you parlay that with his value to the locker room, I want to keep Ramon Foster in there. Uh, we also talked about what I heard about Ryan Chazier. Uh, may have got a stinger a couple weeks before the hit that paralyzed him. Uh, that's just uh, something I got via the back door from a Steeler source. Uh, and the, the bad news is I hear Shazier's making precious little progress and. Uh, that situation just uh, just doesn't look very good. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. That's 412-333-WXDX. When's Super Bowl Media Day? I think that's probably tomorrow when they gather everybody and they get interviewed by everybody. Or, or did they do that already? Uh, I pay less and less attention to the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl every year because 
it's the same old uh, gargonzola, as it were. Uh, I participated in one of those in 1995, which is a long time ago, and it was just running back and forth, uh, seeing reporters who aren't football people ask gratuitously stupid questions, and you can't blame them because they're there for, like, entertainment tonight, hard copy, something like that, and they're trying to get stuff that uh, is off the beaten path. But, boy, it was just a tough situation within which to operate. And there used to be this tradition uh, where every radio show in the world, uh, not just the radio shows uh, from the two teams participating, but every national radio show would uh, line up on what they call Radio Row out at the Super Bowl, and the guests would just go down Radio Row, and you know they'd all have something to sell and stories to tell. But it got to the point where something to sell overwhelmed the stories to tell. For example, you would get, uh, uh, I don't know, like, like you might get Brett Favre now. And he'll walk down Radio Row and do every show. And he'll be on every show for five minutes. It's like assembly line radio. And for three and a half minutes, he'll talk about whatever it is he's pimping. And then for uh, the other 90 seconds, he'll tell some story from a Super Bowl he played in. Radio Row, I, I was watching ESPN today because they have all their radio shows on tv and those radio shows weren't at the super bowl weren't on radio row so perhaps that tradition mercifully has come to an end oh media day was last night well i wasn't even paying attention and don't feel like i missed anything uh, because of that up next we got the penguins historian what an expert he is from pittsburgh hockey now we're going to talk to bob grove i'm live at buford's on fifth avenue i'm mark madden 1059 x this is Ian Cole of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Joining me now, one of the foremost experts in Penguins hockey. You can read his work at Pittsburgh Hockey Now. We welcome back the great Bob Grove. Uh, Grover, Matt Murray back in goal tonight. And with all due respect for, to Casey DeSmith, uh, that's the right move, isn't it? I, I think Murray needs to get back in goal. No, he absolutely does, uh, Mark. I mean, you, when you talk about uh, the, you, you've heard him talk. I mean, he thought he was ready to play last Thursday. I thought, you know, I was a little surprised that he didn't play last Thursday. But given everything he's been through, you know, where he finds his uh, release when he's most comfortable right now in his life is out on the ice. So he needs to play, and it's absolutely the right move. Murray hasn't quite played up to last year's standard, Grover. Uh, what's been missing with him? Well, I, I think uh, you're right. I mean, he's not been to the level that we saw him play, certainly in the playoffs last season. So I think it's part of what's been going on in front of him. I, if, if you ask me, the quality of chances the Penguin goaltenders in general have had to face this regular season has been way too high. So I think a little bit of that. And, I, you know, what, what I've seen him missing is that ability to make big, big saves at the right time. I thought he was doing it earlier in the season, but as, as the season wore on, I thought some of those goals – um, that he, in big moments in a game, that he was stopping. And for me, that's really one of the hallmarks of his game is uh, keeping the Penguins in a game when they're behind or when they've just gotten the lead making a big save. He, he was not coming up with that one. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not sure what that. I don't see anything technical with him, to be honest. Um, so it's just, it's kind of that for me that he's been missing a little bit. Ian Cole's going to be in the lineup again tonight. Uh, who's better, Cole or Matt Hunwick? Uh, that's quite the big debate on radio right now, as you know. Yeah, well, I, I, look, Ian Cole would be in my lineup almost every night, Mark. 
I think he brings intangibles to the game, right? I mean, he plays the game with a little bit of an edge. You certainly don't. You have more of it now with Alexiak there, but he plays with an edge. He's willing to sacrifice his body, as we've seen time and time again. People forget that he contributed five-on-five offensively way more last season than anyone ever thought. He had a career year. He's capable of doing that a little bit more than people give him credit for. And, um, you know, he puts himself on the line and plays every single night. You know, and Hunwick is a guy who's, for me, Mark, as well as that guy skates, he should have more of an impact. And I, I just, I can't see any way that Matt Hunwick has been a difference maker for the Penguins. I mean, it just, he's just not noticeable on most nights. Well, I, I agree with you, Grover. And you mentioned uh, Jamie Alexiak, who's been fairly impressive. And when you have Coleman Alexiak as a bottom pair, to me, that's a traditional style, very good uh, physical bottom pair. Yeah, I agree, and I and I gotta admit, I'm a little surprised that Alexiak's been as good as he's been. Because when you're, you know, when you're a former first round pick, Mark, and you're 25 years old, and you're still a healthy scratch on a lot of nights in the NHL, I mean, that usually means you're never gonna really make make an impact. And you know, in Dallas, he couldn't play himself into the lineup on any kind of a regular basis. And then he comes here, and uh, everybody who talked about his skating was spot on. It's better than I thought it was. Um, he, he moves really well, and he's not overly aggressive, but he'll hit you, and as we've seen, he'll drop the gloves. So I, I think he has been really, really good for them. Now, much like Murray, Chris Letang isn't quite where the Penguins need him to be. Uh, what's been wrong with Letang's game? Uh, it's still decision-making for me, Mark, and I just don't understand that. I mean, he opened up a little bit over the All-Star break about how, basically for me, reading between the lines, he came back too soon. You know, he tried to play because he wanted to play so badly, um, and, and he came back and he just couldn't find his game, and he, he really wasn't ready to play. But to his decision-making, in, in really all areas of the ice, uh, it's not you know it's not bad from start to finish game to game, obviously, but he just it's almost every game. He makes one or two decisions that just make you absolutely scratch your head. I mean, things, decisions he shouldn't be making at this point in his career. And we've always seen a little bit of that from him. And uh, he needs to get back to being more consistent in the decision-making process. And that'll be a big factor because, Mark, when I look at this Pittsburgh team, if they are going to make a long playoff run, you know, they need another centerman, yes. But here's the other thing they absolutely have to have, and that's Chris Letang getting closer to being the Chris Letang we know. That's Bob Grove. He, you can read him at PittsburghHockeyNow.com. Uh, Grover, um, we, you mentioned the third-line center, and clearly they, they do need an upgrade there. How good does that third-line center need to be, and, and what does he have to do? Because it sounds like they want a guy good enough to center Phil Kessel, doesn't it? Well, yeah, that's what it's got to be, right? I mean, if, if they, look... They want to have Kessel play on a line apart from Crosby and Malkin. So that's great. You know, Theoretically, that's a terrific approach to have. But if the centerman who's playing with them can't make plays with them, can't feed him the puck in the right areas, and, you know, and, and then can't finish plays that Phil sets up for him, uh, I don't see the point in it. Um, you know, so, and, and, and Riley Shane's not that guy. He absolutely isn't. And Jake Gensel wasn't really that guy. And, you know, I think we, we all feel he's more comfortable on the wing, Gensel. So they've got to get a guy in there who can play with Kessel if they're wed to the idea that they're going to keep those three separated. So they've got to get a guy in here who's, you know, not really a traditional kind of third-line center, but a guy who's got some creativity. Shan doesn't have that. I like what Shan brings, but he's a fourth-line centerman. They need a guy in there that can feed Kessel pucks and then make plays with him. Mark Kessel's doing great, but he's getting most of his production on the power play. It's still not coming at five-on-five. 
Well, two names are coming up regarding a potential acquisition at third-line center, and one is Matt Cullen coming back. But wouldn't Cullen coming back make Shane the third-line center? You look at Cullen's production in Minnesota, it's below what Shane's doing here. Yeah, I know. And, and, and how much of that is because of the way Minnesota plays and just that whole atmosphere in Minnesota where that team always seems to be less than the sum of its parts. I mean, going back to a number of years, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but he's, you know, if you bring Cullen back, uh, again, if you're going to play him with Kessel, you need a player with some creativity. That for me is not Shane's. So I'd almost put, yeah, you'd put Cullen back in there, but I don't know how much you can expect from him at his age. Um, he was comfortable in that fourth line spot. Yeah, spot duty then, you know, on other lines as necess- necessary in the course of games where people get injured or you have other injuries. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I would play, if, if they do make that move, I would play him as a third line center um, and see, see, see where it takes you. Well, people talk about him being a glue guy in the locker room, Grover. How important is that, do you think? Well, I think it's important, but I don't think it's the overriding thing that you – for me, it's not the thing that's – the big thing that's missing from the Penguins right now. I mean, yeah, I agree, because, Grover. It, it wouldn't cause me to uh, take a fourth-line center and make him a third-line center, put it that way. Right. I mean, they've got plenty of leadership in that room. Yes, they lost some important guys who provided some of that. No question. But they've got they've got a lot more of it left, you know. And hey, while we're talking about Cole earlier, he fits he fits that for me too. I think there's definitely some leadership qualities in, in him when he's in, he's in with the team. So I don't see that as being the, the thing they're missing. I mean, it's more of an X and it's more of a third line centerman. Again, clean up some of these odd man breaks and the, the kinds of you know great chances they're giving up defensively and get Latang back to where he's playing. That's what they need. Now, another possibility for that third center spot is rumored to be Mark Latestu from Edmonton, uh, the ex-Penguin. How do you feel about him? Uh, look, if I, you know, I've seen him a bit this season when I could, and you read the coverage coming out of Edmonton. He's having an awful season. Wasn't he a healthy scratch here a couple weeks back? Uh, yeah, I think, for, I think for a game or so, yeah. Yeah, and he's been playing down on the fourth line. Uh, for them, and he's he's not been having a great season. So I mean, I like Mark, but I mean, I don't think I don't think that's the answer. I mean, some people are talking about Pajot. I'll tell you, the, Mark. You know what? Here's the guy. Well, don't you think Pajot would guy, cost too much, Grover? Well, he, he makes two and a, I think he makes two and a half. So, no, but I mean, in terms know, of what they'd want in return. Well, who knows? Ottawa. It depends on how how serious Ottawa is about dismantling what they got, because you just you just feel like. They're on the verge of having a fire sale up there, right? Because they need a lot of they need a lot of things on that team, and they've got to they've got to figure a way out of the mess that they're in right now. Um, to come one goal away from getting to the Cup final last season and have this happen for them, it's just incredible that that they're as bad as they're as they are. And Pajot, you know, he's skilled, um, but I, you know, I don't think you see that every night in the games he plays. I'll tell you the guy I would love to have, Mark, from that team as my third-line center, although it's not doable because of his salary. He makes $5 million, Derek Broussard. He's not really a third-line center. But imagine him playing with Kessel. There's a guy, if you remember back to the way he plays in Columbus and New York, right? I think he's a very competitive guy. He was always a pain in the butt for the Penguins to play. And he's got skill. I mean, that guy can deliver. So, again, that's, that's the longest of long shots, and there would be a lot of people up for him if he was even available. Uh, Grover, uh Yager went back to Europe, so it looks like his NHL career is over. Do you think the Penguins are going to retire his number? Because it's not been a great relationship between Yager and the Penguins uh, since he left Pittsburgh. No, it hasn't been, but they will. 
I, you know, I don't know what the time frame for them doing it, but they absolutely will because the guy's a legend. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He won two cups here. He was integral in the second cup, if you remember the playoff run in 92, where, you know, he wasn't so much in 91, but my God, I mean, some of the things he did in, um, you know, in the postseason in his career, uh, beginning with that 92 run, um, it, it just, I mean, incredible. So time heals all that stuff, Mark. It may take a little bit more time, but uh, I think they'll retire his number. I agree that Yager's an all-time great. I mean, obviously, the stats speak for themselves, but he played for nine NHL teams and played three years in the KHL. Does that dilute his legacy, Grover? I mean, does Jarmer Yager really have a jersey, per se? Yeah, he, he kind of doesn't, right? Because is, is the high point of his career was playing here, period. Um, you know, and all the other places. In, in some ways, it reminds you of coffee, right? Remember how many teams coffee ended up yes, playing Yes, exactly right. It was stunning. Um, and so, look, I wish it could have worked out different for Yager here in Pittsburgh, but, you know, there was a lot of reporting at the time that he wanted out. And, you know, it made sense for the Penguins because of their financial situation to move him when he did. Plus, you know, he requested to come out, and that that's always a, a piece of the story that you just don't forget. You wish it hadn't happened that way for Yager here, but it did. Um, and he doesn't really have a team, but uh, he'll. For I think for most people, quite frankly, when they look back on his career twenty or thirty years from now, Mark, they're going to remember what he did in Pittsburgh. Uh, let's throw out the goalies and defensemen, just NHL forwards. Where do you rank Yager all time among NHL forwards? <sighs> Man, he will give, give or take. Yeah, I mean, he's all time all players. He's he's probably a he's probably a top ten guy for me. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, this is a guy who, uh, you know, he, he's such a love of the game and took care of himself. And, all, you know, the strength that he possessed um, was really kind of hard to imagine unless you talk to players that played against him and when he had that puck. I mean, we'll just set aside for a minute the skills piece of it, his ability to finish plays, make plays, etc. But just the strength that he had when he had the puck, and he kept that really until almost the end of his career. Because if you look at the last couple of years, Mark, that's the only thing he really had kind of left. Is once he had it along the wall or other places, you couldn't get it off him, and he could make plays on the power play. But just the numbers themselves, the, the length of his career, the cups, the consistency of his performances, and um, you know even through some injury time in Pittsburgh, he's, he's, one, of the, he's one of the greatest ever. Grover, great stuff. Thank you for taking the time. We'll talk to you again soon, I hope. All right, Mark. Thanks. That's Bob Grove. Uh, check him out at Pittsburgh Hockey Now. I'm Mark Madden, live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. Uh, had an interesting Twitter exchange involving the ex-Twitter, me, and Boston Bruins pest and all-star Brad Marchand. Uh, pretty funny stuff. We'll talk about that in just a moment on 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Damn it, I'll be popular in Pittsburgh yet. Hey, Mark, ball fan. I think i got to start with pulled pork nachos. Hey, super genius, how you doing today? Fantastic. The X at 105.9. Uh, the X got a Twitter fight with Brad Marshawn of the Boston Bruins yesterday. Uh, Bob McLaughlin... Uh, responded to a tweet by Brad Marchand uh, yesterday. Marchand tweeted, had an unreal time at the All-Star game this past weekend. Thank you to everyone involved in putting it together. And uh, the ex-tweet replied, 
probably slew-footed hotel concierge. And Marshawn then replied, you know that station that you would rather sit in the car in silence than listen to? That's you guys. Which is actually kind of funny, as was Bob's slew-foot remark. And then I replied, well, Marshawn, what they shot at the X, and it's pretty funny. Hey, I thought it was hilarious when James Neal need you in the head. Hashtag, got the right guy. <laughs> That's just good stuff. Like I said, what Marshawn tweeted was funny. And Bob's line about Marshawn slew-footing the hotel concierge was epic. Classic. Uh, no quarter brought to you by... I'm shuffling papers. I can't find it. The hell with it. Uh, I have a great video posted on the Mark Madden page at the X website. It's Mario Lemieux going nuts and getting thrown out of a game. And it was the result of a tangle with uh, Mario's biggest nemesis. And Mario's biggest nemesis during his playing career wasn't a player. It, it was a referee. It was a guy named Kerry Frazier. Remember him, the hair, immaculate quaff, total douchebag, and useless as a referee? Uh, Frazier would go out there and he would lecture Mario, telling him he needed to act more like a leader. And Frazier later did the same with Sidney Crosby. Yo, haircut. Just make calls and blow the whistle, okay? Frazier was tagged the superstar referee. I think he tagged himself that, but there's no such thing. Imagine that, some zebra telling the game's best players how they should act. Uh, that is absolutely dumbfounding. Now, the video I posted uh, was the rancor between uh, Lemieux and Frazier reaching a crescendo. It was 1994, a game in April. Tampa Bay in time to visit the Penguins. If you look closely, you can see our buddy uh, Mark Bergevin, who later played for Pittsburgh, now Montreal's general manager, playing in that game for Tampa Bay. Uh, Frazier whistled Mario for high-sticking. Some harsh words were exchanged. Uh, more penalties got assessed. And Mario comes charging out of the penalty box at Frazier. At one point, he didn't really throw his stick over the glass toward Frazier, but kind of dropped it over the glass, and Mario was ultimately ejected. Kerry Frazier was a bad referee, and he was just the horse's ass because Kerry Frazier had it in his mind somehow that he should display personality but that night when he ejected Lemieux the people who paid to get in were deprived of seeing a full game's worth of Mario Lemieux and not one of them had paid to see Kerry Frazier but Frazier thought he was part of the show yeah he was part of the act all right it was just a circus act again you know you look back at guys from you know whatever sport that you're a fan of and a lot of them that you hated now you kind of feel different towards. I'll give an example. I saw an interview with Terrell Owens, who struck me as the biggest jerk ever when he played. But I saw a recent interview with him talking about not having yet made the Hall of Fame, which is a total screw job. And, uh, you know, he was very sincere and not at all full of a little bitterness, but he wasn't a jerk in the interview. And I said, you know, maybe T.O. retired, getting older, maybe he's okay. 
Well, Kerry Frazier, every time I see him, like he does interviews now occasionally, I'm convinced that now as then, he is just a piece of garbage. An absolute horse's ass. He wrote a book, and the title's something like Legend in Stripes. Only one person called you that haircut, and it was you. I'm glad Mario didn't get to Kerry Frazier and beat his ass up and knock his ass out, because it would have resulted in a, a blot on Mario's uh, resume and a, a lengthy suspension, but then again, part of me wishes he had. Oh, another great thing that video, which you can see on the Mark Madden page at the X website, is that uh, Kevin Stevens is the voice of reason in the middle of all the madness. It's just a great video. Be sure to check it out on uh, the X website. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Any customer who schedules a job by Monday, February 5, will receive an installed whole home surge protector. Free, and that's a $300 value. Um, by the way, I was bitching on Twitter earlier today that uh, I, I got a email for a pre-sale for Def Leppard Journey tickets and also Leonard Skinner tickets, but I didn't get a password for either. I, I did finagle my way in to get the third row for Leonard Skinner. Pretty expensive, but good seats at Key Bank Pavilion. That's the third show from the end. This is the Leonard Skinner farewell tour, although really only one guy left. Uh, Gary Rossington, and I haven't figured out how to get into Def Leppard and uh, Journey yet, but then again, the Penguins could always help me there. Chad Slenchak, my buddy in the ticket department, always very helpful in that regard. Uh, we talked yesterday a, a bit about what's going on at Michigan State, the athletic program, and, and what should happen uh, after the Nasser, the gymnastics scandal and all the football and basketball players having been accused of sexual assault or uh, domestic violence and it having been uh, swept under the rug. Now, I'm not rooting for or demanding that Michigan State Athletics get the death penalty. But let's understand the ramifications of selective scapegoating followed by, invariably, obla-dee, life goes on. NCAA sports is a multi-billion dollar business. You're not going to shut it down because some kids get abused or because some women get raped. You're not going to even shut it down temporarily. Now, you absolutely should, absolutely should shut it down. The victims should mean more than money, but the reality is they do not. Look at the Weinstein scandal in Hollywood. The movie industry didn't shut down. It didn't even blink. Not beyond the demand for social justice. Everybody hashtagged Me Too and hashtag Time's Up. And Oprah ran her big fat yapper. But everybody just kept making movies. Weinstein's career is over and maybe Kevin Spacey's, but maybe not James Franco's because he's still very bankable. Hollywood picked their scapegoats. Now let's all keep making money. It's going to be the same at Michigan State. It shouldn't be, but it will be. Reality against idealism is a terrible mismatch. Reality wins every time. Money against morality, also a mismatch. Money wins every time, and that will not change. And in many cases, perhaps most cases, the people who 
launch hashtag campaigns or demonstrate for certain causes. They just want a few minutes of fame, and then whether or not the cause is solved, they moved on. If you don't believe me, when was the last time an NFL player took a knee? That kind of blew over, didn't it? Uh, I don't think all the problems they wanted to address have been solved. I, I just don't think that's happened. They got on TV. They got the headlines. They got interviewed. And now it's time to just keep playing football. One exception, give credit, Kaepernick. Still out there doing interviews. Still out there donating a lot of his personal fortune. Uh, say what you will about Colin Kaepernick, but I admire the guy. He's committed to his cause. 412-333-9939. I ask a question uh, just around the corner, and that question is, should Yarmer Yager have his number retired by the Penguins? I want to know what you think right now. 412-333-WXDX.